Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. Schools and churches are deserted, while hospitals overflow. Nations take shelter as basic necessities are rationed. Is this a pandemic or the apocalypse? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah looks at the recent viral outbreak in light of Scripture to bring some perspective and spiritual urgency to the matter. Listen as David shares his special message, Is the Coronavirus in Bible Prophecy? Well, friends, I'm glad that you've joined us today as we begin this new month. I'm sure your life is as confusing as uh, as mine is going forward. This is just a very strange time, and yet uh, in the midst of it all, we, we sense the presence of God. And uh, we're very excited because we jumped on this as early as we could, and we came up with an encouraging resource that we're going to tell you about in just a few moments. As we look at this whole situation, we're going to go back and examine the Psalms during the month of June. It wasn't long ago that we studied some of these Psalms, but the context in which we find ourselves now opens the door to a whole new understanding of what God meant for us to encourage our hearts in the book of Psalms, and we're going to study those in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about the resource for the month of June. It's a brand new book. It just came out, and it's called Shelter in God. This book, to me, is is a miracle book because we put all of this together. Uh, we worked with our publisher, and in about a four-week period, we were able to come out of this uh, storm with a project that we believe will really help you. Uh, you know, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, flatten the curve, shelter in place. These are all things we didn't even know about, had probably never even heard about a few months ago. But now they're everyday signposts marking out a sobering new reality that we're all facing. Healthcare systems have stumbled. Uh, retirements have crumbled. Uh, things that are unbelievable have happened in some of our nursing homes. And uh, we're not going to church because we aren't allowed to. We're not allowed out without a mask. All of that. But what does that mean? And how do we get hope in our hearts during the midst of this? Well, I've put together this book called Shelter in God, Your Refuge in Times of Trouble, and it's available during the month of June for a gift of any size. And when you send your gift, just say, please send me the new book, Shelter in God. Will you help us during this time? We want to add value to your life and give you something that you can read and be encouraged by and be strengthened by, and it's yours for a gift of any size during the month of June. We have these books in our warehouse. As soon as we hear from you, we will double our efforts to get the book to you as quickly as possible, and you can begin 
and learning what it means to shelter in God. Today, uh, as we begin the new month together, I'm going to air a message that I gave at Shadow Mountain Church when this whole thing first started. I need to tell you, this is the only message I've ever given in my entire life as a pastor. Two million people watched this message uh, in social media, and it just, I couldn't believe it. It was overwhelming to me. Obviously, we hit a nerve, and this is a question a lot of people are asking. Here is the message. Is the coronavirus in Bible prophecy? This week, a high-profile professional athlete that I highly respect sent me this question. Is the coronavirus in Bible prophecy? This message is my answer to his question. Is there a connection between COVID-19 and the end times? Are we living in the last days before the return of Jesus Christ? Is all that is happening to us at this moment a sign that the world is coming to an end? How do we know if the coronavirus is a sign? In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is a section of Scripture usually referred to as the Olivet Discourse. In this portion of God's Word, we have the record of our Lord's discussion with four of His disciples about the signs of the times. Here, from Matthew 24, verses 3 through 8, is Matthew's record of that interchange between the Lord and his disciples. I'm reading from the book of Matthew. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of sorrows." The message of Matthew 24 is a prophetic sermon that Jesus gave that sweeps his disciples into a time that had not yet come, a time they themselves would never personally experience. This passage is so all-inclusive that many have called it the mini-apocalypse. The broad outline of the future is given by our Lord, and it's kind of like an overture to the book of Revelation. The disciples asked Jesus three questions. When will these things be? What will the sign of your coming be? And what will the sign of the end of the age be? And beginning at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, Jesus answers the disciples' questions. He answers questions 2 and 3 in the main body of the chapter, but he does not answer question number 1 till he gets to verse 36. What was question number 1? Question was, when will these things be? Matthew 24, 36 answers the question, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So if someone tells you they know when Jesus is coming back, you can tell them absolutely that's not possible. The Bible says the angels don't know, and while Jesus was on this earth, he didn't know. Only the Father in heaven has control of that answer. 
But Jesus does answer the second and third questions in the book of Matthew. What were those questions? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? In answering these questions, Jesus gives us six signs that help us to know if we're in that time before he comes. And here they are. I don't have time to read them back to you. We've read the scripture. The first sign is the deception by false Christ. Jesus says there's going to be a time when people will come forward and claim to be the Messiah. The second sign will be disputes and warfare among nations. And the third sign, which is the one we're going to talk about particularly today, the devastation throughout the world. And the Bible says that in the end of all of this time, the gospel is going to be declared to the whole world. So those are the six things Jesus said are going to happen before he comes back. What we have to understand about the signs of Matthew chapter 24 is this. None of these signs have anything to do with the rapture. These six signs cover the second advent, which is at the end of the tribulation period. According to Jesus, the generation that sees these signs will see the coming of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, verses 32 to 34, we read these words. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know the summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, what things? The six things we've talked about. When you see these things happening, know that it is near at the front door. I say to you that the generation that sees these signs will not pass away until all this takes place. What that means is, when these six signs take place and they tell us about the coming of Jesus at the end of the tribulation, whatever generation is alive during that period of time will not die until Jesus comes back. The generation that sees the signs will see the Savior. So here's the question, and I hope you haven't gotten lost so far. Here's the question. If all these signs are not signs about the rapture, and after the rapture, I'm going to be in heaven, why should I be concerned about the signs at all? Why should I care whether there's any sign about an event that I am not going to be worried about because I'm going to be in heaven? Well, the broad answer to that question is this. Future events cast their shadows before them. The best answer is that, that these things that are going to be happening in the tribulation periods that signal the second advent of Christ, some of them are probably going to be going on in incipient form long before the rapture takes place. They're going to spill over back into the world in which you and I live. If these signs in Matthew tell us that Jesus is going to come and the only period of time we know is seven years, what that means is we could be within seven years of whatever because we have this tight section of truth and time. So we circle back once more to this question. Is this pandemic that we're in right now a sign of the rapture? Of course not. There aren't any signs for the rapture, so it can't be a sign of the rapture. The rapture is a signless, eminent event. So is this a sign of the second coming of Christ? I cannot say with any sense of certainty that it is, but neither can I say with any sense of certainty that it is not. It could be the early evidence of number three on Jesus' list, the coming of pestilence. As I mentioned earlier, some of the tribulation signs can spill over into the final years before the rapture. Jesus refers to what will happen at the end of the age as a pestilence. He says there's going to be a pestilence. Men and women, that's what we've got right now. We've got a pestilence. 
So let me just turn the corner here for a little bit and say, while this may not be a sign of the future, it's a sign for today. And let me tell you what it teaches us. I've had uh, more than my usual time to meditate on this because I've been at home all week, like many of you. And I've thought about this a great deal. What does this mean? What is this pandemic? What is it saying to us? What can we take away from this? What do we learn from this that will help us serve our Lord better, live better lives, be better people? And I have five or six things I want to tell you. Here's the first one. It teaches us the vulnerability of everyone. According to most reports, the elderly and those with underlying health conditions are the most vulnerable to this virus. But as time has progressed, we have seen that everyone is vulnerable. No matter who we are or what we do or how much money we have, we are all vulnerable to the super plagues. This ought to humble us all. It ought to make us all realize how dependent upon God we really are. In many ways, I believe we have come to a good place. If you'll listen to this verse, maybe you'll agree with me. Here's what God says. Here's what the Bible says. This is 1 Peter 5.5. 5. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Perhaps before this is over, we will be a nation on our knees. And if we are, we will be in a better place than when we entered this virus. Number two, this not only teaches us the vulnerability of everyone, it is a wonderful picture of the credibility of the Bible. Let me explain what I mean about this. For 50 years, I've been seriously studying this book, the Bible. I have often been brought to a pause when I have read of the worldwide events that are going to happen during the tribulation. I mean, I believe them, not because I understood how they could happen. I believed them because they were in the Bible, but they sounded pretty fantastic to me. The tribulation is packed full of worldwide pandemics, way worse than the one we are currently experiencing. For instance, Ezekiel the prophet prophesies the disastrous plague that will cover the world when God judges Russia and the coalition army that will try to take out Israel. When God intervenes on behalf of his people, the evil coalition armies are going to be destroyed by monumental convulsions of the earth and military confusion, multiple calamities like fire and brimstone, and finally, by major contagion. In other words, pestilence. God will send a pestilence to take out the enemies who are trying to destroy his people. He says in Ezekiel 38:22, I will bring them to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. So how bad was that pestilence? The epidemic breakout of disease that will take place at that time, according to Ezekiel, is so bad that it will take the nation of Israel seven months to bury the bodies. Now, when you read that in the Bible, I mean, you just, you just read along, somebody gives you Ezekiel, you read that, you say, oh, come on, that sounds like science fiction or something. That could never happen. So now I have a greater understanding I now comprehend a little better how the tribulation events could take place. Even now, during these very days, there's an infestation of locusts in the Middle East. Did you know that? If you don't believe me, go home and look it up. It is amazing what's going on in some of the Middle Eastern countries. And many people are worried that during this time of weakness as a nation, others will try to do harm to us. 
When you read those sections of the Bible now, you will read them more carefully and probably more prayerfully because not only does the Bible say they will happen, now you have an understanding of how that could happen. I mean, we have this mighty military, incredible country, and a little tiny germ none of us can see has put us all out of bounds. It's put us out of work. It's put us at home. It's taken us out of the game. Who could have thought this coronavirus teaches us the vulnerability of everyone. It teaches us the credibility of the Bible. It also teaches us the uncertainty of life. I mean, none of us saw this coming. I don't know anyone who can honestly say they were preparing to wipe their schedules clean through the end of 2020 and stop attending church for weeks at a time or be told by the government to shut down their business, go home and don't come out again until we tell you. (laughs) Who could have known? But the Apostle James knew Here's what he wrote. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. James seems to be quoting or thinking of the psalmist who said this, Indeed, you have made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best is but a vapor. Do you know there was one man in the Bible who experienced all of this in a way that none of us could ever comprehend. It was something similar yet far worse than COVID-19. If you could ask Job what he learned during the total deconstruction of his life, he would talk about the uncertainty and brevity of life. Here are some of his statements called from the book that he wrote. Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away, they see no good, they pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Ladies and gentlemen, how uncertain and how precious are our days. And here's something else that I've discovered, and maybe you've noticed this too. I've really been amazed at the scarcity of hope. I mean, I must admit that I'm very partial to this particular point because I've been reading a book by Tierney and Baumeister called The Power of Bad. This book is an investigation into the power of the negative in our lives. I don't have time to go into the details, but we are currently living through an illustration of their truth. How bad is the default position in everybody's life? The vast majority of reporting on the coronavirus is skewed toward the negative. In this time, we know this is a serious moment. It is, but it's not going to be the end of the world. And if you listen to this every day, you can be overwhelmed with the negativity. There's a scarcity of hope. According to Robert Schmerling of Harvard Medical School, there are many reasons for hope. I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here. I just want you to know there's another side to this story. Most people with COVID-19 recover. Estimates now suggest that 99% of people infected with the virus that causes COVID-19, 99% of them will recover. Already over 100,000 people have had this and have fully recovered. So I just want to give you the other side of the picture. Are we in trouble? Yes. We're all quarantined for the next weeks. Who knows how long? But the end of the world has not come, folks, and it is not going to come. Not now. I do not believe this is a sign of the coming of Christ. It is a warning and a reminder 
a wake-up call, if you will. And for those of us who are Christians, our hope is not in anything medical anyway. Our hope is in God Almighty. So just listen to these verses and write them down. They will help to offset what you are hearing every day on the news. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. The hope of the righteous will be gladness. So let's go back and review. What have we learned? We've learned about the vulnerability of everyone. We've learned about the credibility of the Bible. We've seen the sign of the uncertainty of life and the sign of the scarcity of hope. But here's what I've been waiting to share with you. We also have learned about the sufficiency of Jesus. Jesus' sufficiency is never more seen than when he's communicating with his disciples in Matthew 24. He's preparing to leave them and return to heaven. And if you put all the gospel narratives together in all of the different places where Jesus is talking to his disciples and trying to help them get ready for his ultimate crucifixion and ascension back to heaven, Jesus cares deeply about his disciples. Remember what he said in John 14? He said, let not your heart be troubled. Disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Don't get your heart all troubled, disciples. In John 16:33, which is in the same context of our Lord's life, here's what he said. He said, These things I have spoken to you, disciples, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, these are familiar words to most of us, but I want you to look at Jesus' words through a fresh pair of eyes. Notice his promise to the disciples was the promise of himself. His peace was to be found in him. He said, in me you will have peace. The peace that you need in Jesus is wrapped up in Jesus himself, not in what he says or what he does. It's in him. And then Jesus said something, and I want you to hang on to this. Jesus told his disciples that in the world they would have tribulation. And then, and this is what we often miss, Jesus did not say, in the world you will have tribulation and I have overcome tribulation. No, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus doesn't just overcome the event. He overcomes the environment where the event happens. He doesn't just overcome what's going on. And so we could read it this way. In the world, you will have coronavirus, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world in which this happens. I got it. I got control of this. In these challenging days, we cannot forget what Jesus has told us. He has told us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that his grace is sufficient for us. And you will find that out during these days if you haven't found it out already. The sufficiency of Jesus Christ for those who have put their trust in him will be on display everywhere. You will be writing notes to your friends and emails and text messages to your brothers and sisters to tell them what Jesus Christ is doing in your life during this time. Once again, my friend says it this way, Jesus will show up and he will show off and you will be telling everybody about what he has done. So we're almost done. The six signs of Matthew chapter 24 
and the six signs of David Jeremiah and what this means to us today. Here's number six, the urgency of salvation. I have a wonderful friend. His name is Richard Furman. Well, here's what he told me today. He said, whatever you do, make sure you tell everyone, don't forget while you're trying to get everybody healed physically that if they don't get healed spiritually, it's really not very meaningful. He's the one who goes to the mission field to do surgery and sets up surgical operations like you've never seen before in the most basic kinds of places where they bring people from all around who need help. And Dr. Furman will never operate on anyone unless, first of all, he shares the gospel with them. Because he said, if I save their life and they don't get saved, I haven't really helped them, have I? So I want to say to you that if we go through this coronavirus and you're not saved, you may be in quarantine right now. Well, I'm sorry if that's true. I hope you get better. But more than anything else, I hope that while you're in quarantine, you have some time to think seriously about your relationship with God. The Bible says that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. And you know, friends, uh, we have been preaching in an empty auditorium online every week for these last uh, seven, eight weeks. And it's astounding to me how many people are accepting Christ during this time. This has been a wake-up call for so many people. And I just want to go on and add to what I've already said. If you do not know Jesus Christ, this is the time for you to reflect upon your own life. Are you going in the right direction? Are you happy with what's happening in your life? Well, let me tell you, God has a plan for your life. It's way better than anything you can ever imagine. But first of all, you have to open your life and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the Son of the living God, the resurrected Savior. He stands at the door of your heart knocking right now, seeking entrance. Will you invite him in? Ask him to forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. If you do that, let us know. We'll send you some material that will help you get started in your walk with the Lord. And we'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's message, Is the Coronavirus in Bible Prophecy? Visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's helpful new book, Shelter in God. It's sure to encourage you in this unprecedented time, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard and New International Versions, as well as in Standard or Large Print in the New King James, all in a variety of handsome cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin the series, When Your World Falls Apart, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. 
Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca.